Hello, and welcome to the 1926 podcast. Today, I am joined by Peter Richard Conte, the organist for the silent film at Stamba Auditorium on October 24th. The film this year is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and will begin at 4 p.m. Tickets are available on StambaUditorium.com. In 1926, two organizations were born that would shape the future of performing arts in Youngstown, Ohio. The Little Youngstown Symphony performed its first public concert, starting a legacy that would become the Youngstown Symphony Orchestra. Later that year, the doors to Stambaugh Auditorium opened for the people of Youngstown and surrounding areas. These are the stories, performances, and conversations of artists and supporters of these historic organizations. This is the 1926 Podcast. Thank you, Peter, for joining us on the 1926 Podcast. Can you start out by giving us a little overview of how you came to playing the organ and maybe some background on like what music education you went through? Um, growing up and in your early years? It's it's great to be with you, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. My first recollections of the pipe organ is sort of, uh, to me, it's interesting. We, we took a family trip when I was, I think I was about six years old, cross country in a station wagon with four children. Not a good idea, hindsight, I would say. But what I remember about the trip was when we got to the Mormon Tabernacle and uh, we took a tour of that amazing facility. And I I remember seeing the pipe organ, the, the incredible facade at the uh, in the tabernacle, and I just sort of asked my dad. I said, "You know, Dad, I really want to go go play that." And then we actually got to hear the organ that afternoon in concert. And, and at that, I I just remember at that point I was hooked on the pipe organ, and I just always wanted to to play one of those things that made all that sound and look so look so pretty. That was my that was my first recollection of the pipe organ. And I actually I played out of the tabernacle years ago and I told that story to them out there and they were sort of tickled. And then I wound up as assistant organist at the cathedral in Garden City, the Cathedral of the Incarnation when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first teacher was Rob Kennedy and uh, just he really solidified my my love for the instrument. And not just on the on the classical music side, but Rob also infused in me the the idea that the pipe organ can be can be also an entertainment. After hours, he would he would show me, you know, how to turn a cathedral organ into more of a theater organ just by the stops that I would draw. And so I've always had, uh, you know, the idea that that concerts, even in in cathedral settings, can also have a fun element to them, musically mm-hmm. speaking. And in fact, last night I did a bunch of stuff uh, that really showed the whole instrument and every every possible facet musically as well. I've always had that in my in my head as well. And I went to Indiana Indiana University of Bloomington and studied there for four years with um, Robert Rayfield and uh, Larry Smith. I was awarded a Distinguished Alumni Award some years later from there, and I wound up in Philadelphia. And here I am, many many many. <laughs> Uh, decades later, but uh, <laughs> loving every minute of it. Nice. Do you play any other instruments? I do. I play piano and I do a lot of my organ practicing on the piano, in fact, to build up technique. Um, organ keyboards don't have a whole lot of tension on them. And uh, it's it's a much better discipline to learn repertoire on the piano uh, to build up finger strength. 
and then you take that to the organ. So, but I, I love the piano too. I have a fabulous uh, grand in my house and I, I play it all the time. Yeah, I can't imagine it's very easy for organists to get specifically organ practice in their homes. Well, actually, I do. I do have a, I've always had a a small electronic organ in my house. And I'm just having right now built for me a a custom, uh, a three manual organ. It's electronic as well. Oh, okay. uh, System called Hauptwerk, which allows you to play recordings of uh, organs from all over the world, literally uh, cathedral organs. And it's really a wonderful system. And it's 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 uh, just being built for me right now, so that'll be nice to have an organ back. But I've always had a some kind of a small electronic organ in my house as well to practice on. All right, that's that's awesome. You are currently the organist for the Wanamaker organ at Macy's. I am the Wanamaker organ in the Grand Court. My official title is is Wanamaker Grand Court organist at Macy's. Um, I'm not grand, but the organ the organ certainly is. <laughs> It was originally the Wanamaker uh, department store. John Wanamaker, the flagship store, was in Philadelphia. And uh, it is now under the custodianship of, of Macy's, a wonderful company who have just embraced the instrument. But the Wanamaker organ is the largest fully functioning pipe organ in the world. Um, it is uh, of, the, of the symphonic, American symphonic school, of which the Stombach organ is as well, the sort of 1920s were the heyday for those incredibly symphonic instruments. And the Wanamaker is arguably the king of those, of those instruments. Um, it is in absolute pristine condition. Awesome. We have several, several curators that take care of it. And uh, yeah, she's in, she's in fine, fine voice these days. So that's a really great, that's a great gig. I've been there since 1989 as titular. 1987, I started as one of the assistant organists there. And I'm only the fourth person to have the job since 1911. Hmm, okay, so that's been around a while. Um, how did how did an organ end up in a department store? John Wanamaker um, loved music, and he uh, his son Rodman was also music aficionado. And Rodman really, uh, I think, is the reason why that organ is there. Um, but John always uh, there was music everywhere in in that store, not just the pipe organ. There was a piano showroom. There were actually two, there were three pipe organs in that, in that store. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one in Egyptian hall and one in Greek hall as well. But the one, the grand court organ uh, is of course the centerpiece. Yeah. There was always music, music involved there. And, and, you know, it, the neat thing about that environment, and this was planned is John wanted music to be uh, central in people's lives. And so you'd walk through the grand court and twice a day, at least every day in the past hundred and some odd years, the organ has played for the public uh, when the store is open. That's an amazing thing. So people who are coming through to buy a pair of shoes uh, get a free concert. Yeah. And some folks are absolutely mesmerized by it still. You know, they look up and they're just, I, I get people coming up to me in tears. What was that piece? You know, and they weren't there to hear music. They were there to buy a handbag or something. <laughs> and it's a wonderful, uh, you know, outreach and education for people. And um just gives people something to smile about during the day, you know, as they go about their business. And that was John's plan. And, and Macy's has, has uh, kept it going and uh, embraced the whole idea, the history of it. It's wonderful. Yeah, that is truly amazing. And what a service that he has done for the people in that area. Um, does Philadelphia have like a, a pretty strong music culture or is it just kind of mediocre? 
Oh, no, it's an incredibly active culture. I mean, the Philadelphia Orchestra is one of the finest ensembles in the world. And uh, I work, I work, work with them quite frequently and Philadelphia Pops. I mean, there's an incredible musical life in the city. It's just one of many, many musical attractions, but it is unique. Uh, the fact that it is, first of all, in a department store, there's, uh, I mean, there are a few other organs that have, so I think played copycat over the years and, yeah. and put organs in, in their, in their stores in, in Asia, I believe there's a couple now, but this was the first and uh, it's an, and the fact that it's the largest, you know, functioning pipe organ in the world and it's in mm -hmm. a department store makes it very, very special. So moving a bit West, what's your most memorable time playing at Stambaugh or what's, what was your favorite thing that you've played at Stambaugh? Well, this is, I think, the third time I'm doing a silent film. The first mm -hmm. few times I played it, they were just solo uh, organ recitals with a varied repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember the first time I played there, I think, being my favorite, because the organ is so magnificent. It is one of Ernest Skinner. Uh, Ernest Skinner is the builder um, from the 19... His... his the pinnacle of his work is 1920s, of which this organ is uh, dates. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was the, the sort of the symphon American symphonic organ was his ideal. And he developed that into such a, a wonderful art form in itself. Sadly, there are very few of his organs left um, extant in the, in the, in the country. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of them have been severely altered or completely destroyed and, and taken out and replaced with, you know, more modern instruments, organ, organ fads have come and gone and um, taken with them these incredible instruments. Mm -hmm. uh, but Stombach is, is, is intact and it has also completely been restored. Uh, Nick Thompson Allen company came in and did a complete restoration. Um, they're based out of uh, New Haven. Mm -hmm. They take care of the great organ, the Woolsey Hall organ, uh, the Newberry Memorial organ at Woolsey Hall, Yale University. And uh, so the organ is in pristine condition mm -hmm. and it is an absolute, you know, mirror back in time to what Ernest Skinner's organ sounded like, which is it's pretty rare, pretty hard to find those these days. So this is a, a very special instrument in itself. Yeah, I sort of get that same sentiment from a lot of folks who we talk to in regards to the organ. It's just beloved and we're definitely lucky to have been able to restore it and keep it going and keep introducing new people to uh, classical organ. So in that same vein, you have sort of, you've sort of made a name for yourself or you do multiple um silent films as far as accompanying what's what's that like and how is it different from let's say orchestral organ well, that's a good question i mean the 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 appeal of silent film i think is is had a renaissance uh, in the past i don't know i want to say 10 years maybe mm -hmm. you know it was a, it was a going art form the movie houses uh always had a, a pipe organ a, a Wurlitzer or a kimball theater mm -hmm. organ quote theater organ uh, which were kind of caricature instruments. And they, they still exist in some places. They were, some of them were incredibly giant, you know, uh, Radio City Music Hall is an example of a, a very large scale uh, a theater organ. Mm -hmm. um, and they were, they were meant to accompany silent films. That was their purpose. And so they, uh, the organist would sit there and either improvise a score as I'm going to do on, on, on Sunday, or um, there were, uh, published 
books with with themes, theme music for a chase scene or a love scene or something, and you could you could draw from those uh, little inspirations as well, and then concoct your own uh, score, uh, mm -hmm. improvised score to the film, and so that's where that art sort of you know was born. It sort of died away when when you know talkies uh, yeah. came into being, and there were there were no more silent films. But now folks are appreciating the the genre of the silent film again, and how incredible those those pieces are. I mean, the fact that the actors couldn't talk, mm -hmm. but yet the expressive range of what they're doing on the screen is so incredible without being able to use their voices, you know, and uh, so the the film itself. The, the film art itself is coming back into appreciation, and with it, um, the the art of of accompanying these these masterpieces in some way, you know, either with an orchestra or the case with was coming up on Sunday with an organ. Although it's not a theater organ, it's a symphonic organ, and it has incredible wealth of symphonic color. Everything everything you see on an orchestral stage, basically you know, all the woodwinds, all the trumpets, all the strings, all the flutes, they're all represented on that Stomach organ. And so I can, I can create a little orchestra right there in that little pit. It's, an, it's quite a, it's quite a treat. Yeah, definitely. And um, little anecdote about myself, this will be my second year working at Stambaugh. And last year when we were beginning to uh, ramp up for the silent film, you know, I, I thought that there were already established scores for the organist to be playing alongside the silent film and then someone told me no they just make it up as they go and I was totally like blown away by that <laughs> yeah um, that's kind of what we do I mean there, there are I I draw on for some some films like I do I do Metropolis I did Metropolis at Stombach a few years back mm -hmm. but for Metropolis I actually got my hands on the original full score the orchestral score hmm. Uh, which was written specifically for the film, and I I pulled some of the the light motifs, the signature tunes, if you will, from there for each of the characters. But then I improvised the whole the whole movie based on those. I gave myself a cue sheet. I do that with every film. I give myself a usually it's one piece of eight and a half by eleven staff paper with some of the scenes, uh, just noted uh, some of the important scenes. Um, the character that's in the scene, and then maybe a maybe a little tune of one measure tune, just to jot myself a, a note, musical note. Um, I try to I try to assign signature tunes uh, to each character mm -hmm. uh, in a film, just to tie it all together musically. But I'm improvising uh, the entire score, and so it's never the same twice. If I do the same film again uh, somewhere, it's it's not going to be the same music. You may hear the same tune every so often, but it's a completely uh, spontaneous improvisation right the way through. It's a it's a it's a really fun mental exercise. You have to know the film well. It's helpful to know the film really well. Um, I know some some folks who do this uh, art form, and they they like to just watch the film along with the audience for the first time. I find that rather terrifying. But so I like to I like to sit and watch the film many 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 times and uh, give myself a little bit of an idea where the surprises are mm -hmm. so that I can highlight those musically, you know, and try to time them out perfectly. Cause that, that heightens. And it's amazing. You, the musical score can really affect the, uh, the, the, the terror or the joy of a film. 
you know, just by, if you remove a soundtrack, there were studies about done about that uh, with uh, John Williams and, and things like Jaws. If yeah. you take the sound away, the musical score away from Jaws, it's just a big fish chasing a boat, <laughs> you know, not terribly scary, but you put his music on top of it and all of a sudden you're absolutely can't breathe. So um, you try to get some of that in, into into the into the films with a little bit of you know tension in them now i know that you said that you you prepare quite well for it but still it has to be you know a little bit of pressure a little scary is it or are you just kind of at this point like yeah i got this (laughs) no i mean i do prepare and of course what you have to do in advance oh you i like to know the film obviously Mm -hmm. really really well so i can i can be because you're watching the film with the audience and then you're also having to create an orchestral score underneath it which means you need to have have the organ set up in a way in advance that allows you to access uh, a clarinet solo with string accompaniment or a flute solo with you know french horns in the distance Mm -hmm. or something so you have to have at your disposal these preset pistons and the organ has them they're called Mm -hmm. pistons under the keyboards that you can push and readily access whatever whatever sounds you're hearing at that moment um, be it an oboe solo or a French horn solo or whatever it is, a, a trumpet solo or something, you know. Yeah, so that you do have to prep in advance. I'm coming out a few days early. Um, I'll be there on, I think, Friday to set up the organ so that I can, I just know uh, piston number four is going to give me, you know, French horns on the bottom keyboard and a flute on the top keyboard and maybe some chimes on the third keyboard and, you know, scary pedal rumbly sounds, <laughs> things like that. So I know where I have to go to access those sounds immediately. Well, with, with that being said, I think that, you know, I've taken up enough of your time today. Is there anything else that you want to mention or plug or, you know, anything like that? No, I mean, I think I'm, I, I say I'm looking really looking forward to being back as Tom back. The audiences are always great. I mean, I remember the silent films last time I did a few years ago. It was a, it was a really full house. I mean, people love these things and that's really cool to see, you know, it's, it's, um, it's always fun to play for a, for a full crowd. And, and that hall is so beautiful. You know, it's just an incredible place to, to spend, uh, to spend an afternoon or an evening uh, just a lovely, lovely place. I remember just being wowed by the the, the entrance foyer. And uh, anyway, I'm really looking forward to being back there. So right. thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, we look forward to having you. We look forward to seeing you and listening to you. So we will see you on October 24th. Well, thank you, Kelly. So a pleasure. <laughs>